Welcome to Main Menu for January 2 through January 8, 2015. I'm your host, David Tanner, and Happy New Year! We are glad to have you with us here on Main Menu today on the first week of January 2015. And we hope you've had a good holiday season and that you're having a good new year and hope you have a great 2015. Well, we uh, have had a few uh, changes around during the holiday here with Main Menu, and uh, so we did not do a program last week. We let you hear the holiday special for two weeks, and now we are back with Main Menu for 2015. We had hoped to do a special today, but uh, the production staff has had a little bit of problem getting some of the material together that we need to do the special program that's going to be a celebration of the 15th anniversary of Main Menu, and so that will be coming up here in the near future, so you'll be Staying tuned and watching for that. We'll have that on very soon as we are right up on the 15th anniversary of the airing of Main Menu on ACB Radio. And so we are really anxious to air that celebration. And you're going to get to hear from some of the previous hosts of Main Menu and talk about a lot of what has gone on over the years with Main Menu. So today we have for you three special things here. We're going to start with Main Menu staff member David Woodbridge, and David is going to talk to us about and show us how to use iCloud Drive, which is a new feature of iCloud and is available for those of you using the Mac or those of you using an iDevice. And David's going to be showing us how to use iDrive and telling us all about iDrive and using it with Yosemite on your Mac. And then Edgar comes to us with a presentation about Raspberry Pi, a very inexpensive computer running Linux and is accessible. He's going to show us how to set it all up and talk to us about where to get Raspberry Pi and uh, how to get it accessible and how to get everything installed and use it. And then David Woodbridge comes back to us again and David is going to be reviewing how to add a finger ID to your iDevice with iOS 8. And one of the reasons David is doing this is because at this point, virtually all of the iDevices now have finger touch ID and the only exception to that is the iTouch 5, but everything else now in the new Apple uh, iOS products does have finger touch ID, and so David is going to review how to do that with iOS 8, and that's what's up this week on Main Menu. We hope you have a great week, have a happy new year, and we'll see you back here again next week on Main Menu. As a Main Menu listener, you might have questions about something you've heard here on Main Menu. You might want advice about which product that you've heard about is better for you, or you might just want to get in contact with some other technology fans who are listeners of Main Menu. To become part of the Main Menu listening community, we invite you to subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list, where you can interact with not only all the members of the Main Menu staff, other broadcasters on ACB Radio, but also with hundreds of Main Menu listeners from around the world. 
If you would like to subscribe to the Main Menu Friends mailing list, simply send an email to mm-friends-subscribe at acbradio.org. You can also participate in discussion about Main Menu and assistive technology by following at Main Menu on Twitter and communicating with us as well as our other followers on Twitter. We look forward to interacting with our listeners. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio's Main Menu, and we hope to hear from you soon on our Friends mailing list and on Twitter. Welcome to this demonstration of Yosemite, and of course that's OS 10.10.10. And I just want to show you a couple of things to do with iCloud Drive. Before I get started, just let me say that I've got my MacBook Air turned on, voiceover is running, and I'm currently sitting at the desktop of my Mac. Now the first thing to note about iCloud Drive is that from the Mac side of things, it just acts like a normal drive stroke folder stroke file system. So you can quite easily create folders, copy and move files, rename folders and files, etc. But on the iOS side of things, it's specific to apps running on the iOS devices such as your iPhone, iPod Touch or iPad, i.e. Pages, Keynote, etc. And sort of one odd thing, TextEdit actually uses iCloud Drive, which of course is the Mac word processing application. I find it handy here at home because I actually have five Macs at home. So when I'm working on TextEdit for my Vision Australia radio program, I don't have to remember what Mac I left the document on. I can just save it to my iCloud Drive and pick it up either on my Mac Airs, MacBook Pro, or the iMacs in the house. And finally, what I tend to use iCloud Drive more for is to manage the documents from my iOS devices folders in the iCloud Drive, and I'll just show you that in a tick. So to get access to your iCloud Drive on your Mac, it's Shift-Command-I for iCloud Drive. And just as a bit of a reminder, remember you've still got Shift-Command-A for applications, H for home, O for documents, K for network, and of course the one that doesn't fit the pattern is option command L to bring up your downloads folder on your Mac. So let me do shift command I now. iCloud Drive, now in iCloud Drive window, list view, table. Okay, and if I simply just press down arrow. Byword folder. I've got byword. IA writer folder. IA writer folder. Keynote folder. Keynote folder. Numbers folder. Numbers. Pages folder. Pages. Text edit folder. Text edit. AT podcast folder. AT podcast folder. Now that's the folder that I've copied on there and that contains the backups of all my audio demos that I've done for the last four years. And the next folder I've got on there. Downcast folder. I created a downcast folder when I installed downcast on my Mac and of course that's the podcatcher for the Mac. And the reason why I did that is because for storage, i.e. saving the last podcast that I listened to, rather than saving it to, if you like, my local hard drive in inverted commas, I've actually got it saving to the iCloud drive. So if I use iCloud.com via Safari on the Mac, I can also listen to those podcasts via a web browser. Unfortunately, just as a note, I can't seem to do it using Safari on my iPhone 6 Plus 
in if I try and use the desktop version of iCloud.com. So that's it for the directories that I've currently got in there. So if I wanted to go into the pages folder, I'm just going to type in P. Pages folder. Jump back to the pages folder, command O to open it. Open, list view, table. And press down arrow. 1.0 consultation paper pages, pages publication. ABC radio app pages publication. Accessing daisy box to iTunes with Windows pages publication. Android accessibility pages, pages publication. Assistive and technology podcast feeds pages publication. Okay, and so on. They're just the documents in my pages directory. And of course, they're the documents or files that the Pages app would actually bring up if I was to bring up Pages on my iPhone 6 Plus. So I can either delete documents in this directory or copy files to it. So let me just jump to my Documents folder with Shift-Command-O. Documents, list view, table. And it's going to type in AC. Accessing iAccess downloads to iTunes underline Mac.pages, Pages publication. So I want to copy this accessing the iAccess downloader using iTunes on the Mac. This is part of the Vision Australia online iAccess service. So I want to copy that to the clipboard. Copy, accessing iAccess downloads to iTunes underline Mac.pages. And I'm going to jump back to my iCloud directory, shift command I. iCloud drive, list view, table. Just put P for pages again. Pages folder. Command I for open. Open, list view, table. And I'm going to paste it with command V. Paste item, one row added. Okay, and if I was to do AX again. Accessing daisy box to iTunes with Windows pages publication. Press demo. Accessing iAccess downloads to iTunes underline Mac.pages pages publication. Okay, that's in there now. So again, if I was to bring up pages on my iOS device, that document would now be listed when pages would do its refresh or update itself for the list of documents in iCloud. Now, if I want to delete it or move it back to my original documents folder, I could just press delete now. But I'm actually going to move it back to my documents folder. So I'm going to do command C again. Copy, accessing iAccess downloads to iTunes underline Mac.pages. And back to my documents folder, shift command O. Documents, list view, table. And I'm going to do option command V, which is the move command. So rather than copying and pasting it, I'm moving and pasting it. But if you move a file, this is what message you'll get. Move item here. Are you sure you want to remove accessing iAccess downloads to iTunes underline Mac.pages from iCloud? This item will be moved to this Mac and deleted from iCloud Drive and your other iCloud devices. So this item will be moved from iCloud and all your other devices and only be available on this Mac. So I'm going to just press enter. Now in copy window. Now in documents window. Okay, and it's copied across. Now finally, if I delete it, let me just do AC. Accessing iAccess downloads to iTunes underline Mac.pages pages publication. I'm just going to copy back to the clipboard. Copy. Accessing iAccess downloads to iTunes underline Mac.pages. And back to iCloud, Shift-Command-I. iCloud Drive, List View, Table. And I'm going to do P for Pages. Pages folder. Command-O to open. Open, List View, Table. Paste it with Command-V. Paste item, one row added. And let me just do AC again. Accessing Daisy Box to iTunes with Windows Pages Pub. Down arrow. Accessing iAccess Downloads to iTunes underline Mac.Pages P. Now this time if I just do a normal delete with Command-Delete. Move to Trash. Interact with Alert, Dialog, Cancel, Button. Are you sure you want to delete accessing iAccess downloads to iTunes underline Mac.pages from iCloud? This item will be moved to the trash on this Mac and deleted from iCloud Drive and your other iCloud devices. Okay, so this item will be moved from the Mac and all other iCloud devices. So I press enter. Closing dialog. Okay, and it's gone. And of course, because I just copied and pasted, I've still got the original file straight document. 
sitting in my documents folder on my Mac. Okay, so let me close all my windows with Shift Command W. Close all. Now in desktop. Dropbox alias alias. Now the other thing I wanted to show you about iCloud Drive was two things to check how much storage you've got on your iCloud Drive remaining and also what applications are using iCloud Drive if you just want to double check. So let me go to my dock with VOD or Shift Control Option D. Dock. Let me bring up System Preferences by just doing SY. System Preferences 15 of 26. VO Spacebar, Control Option Spacebar. Finder. System Preferences. System Preferences Window. Tab. General Button. I for iCloud. iCloud Button. VO Spacebar, Control Option Spacebar. System Preferences Ready. iCloud Window Toolbar. VO Runner, Control Option Runner. User Picture Button. Services Group. Okay, Interact with Services Group. Interact with Services Group. Six items, manage button. Okay, now that's the manage button. And I'm just gonna to jump to the top of this window because between the manage button and the table of services, a funny thing happens to VoiceOver. I've got no idea what it is, but VoiceOver gets caught. So I don't VO left arrow control and left arrow because it's gonna get stuck. I just jump to the top of the window with shift VO home. iCloud services table. And I get straight to the table. So let me interact with the table. Interact with iCloud services table, row one of 11. Now that didn't read it out, but it's actually the iCloud drive option, the first row on the table. So if I do VO down arrow control option down arrow. Photos, update iPhoto or aperture. Learn more button, photos in check checkbox, image. And I'm not gonna write that because I don't use photos anyway. It's gonna go back up. VO up arrow control option up arrow. iCloud drive options button, check checkbox, iCloud drive image. Okay, that's the options for iCloud drive to see what actual applications I've actually checked or unchecked to use iCloud Drive. I need to create folders and store their data in there. So if I do Shift VO down arrow to interact or Shift Control Option down arrow. Interact with iCloud Drive options button check checkbox iCloud Drive image. I'm actually on the options button. So if I do VO spacebar control option spacebar. Press option interact with dialog for window iCloud documents selected tab one of two. Apps that store documents and data in iCloud will appear here. Okay, so applications that store data and documents iCloud will appear here. It's going to jump to the bottom of the window with Shift VO end or Shift Control Option end. Done button. That's the done button. Now keep in mind when I'm doing Shift VO home or end, I'm actually holding down the FN key as well, and that turns the left arrow into a home key and the right arrow into the end key. Okay, so let me just do VO left arrow Control Option left arrow. Applications table. As the applications table, interact with Shift VO Deno, Shift Control Option Deno. Interact with applications table, row one of 14. Okay, so there's 14 applications. So if I do VO Deno, Shift Control Option Preview, got out, uncheck checkbox. Okay, so I've turned off preview, I've unchecked it with the VA spacebar, Control Option Spacebar. QuickTime player, got out, uncheck checkbox. I've unchecked QuickTime. Script editor, got out, uncheck checkbox. Uncheck script editor. Text edit, got out, check checkbox. Text edit is checked. Messages got up, check checkbox. Messages is checked. Pages got up, check checkbox. Pages is checked, etc. etc. So if I just wanted to uncheck one of those, as I said, I'd just do VO spacebar control option spacebar. Okay, so that's enough for that particular window. So I'm just going to interact with shift via upper or shift control option upper. Stop interacting with applications table. Let me just choose the done button. VO radar control option radar. Done button. VO spacebar control option spacebar and select. Closing dialog. 
Now I'm back on the row where I started where I first selected the options button when I interacted with the row for the iCloud Drive. So I'm going to uninteract. Stop interacting with iCloud Drive options button check checkbox iCloud Drive image row one of eleven. Now I need to uninteract again. Stop interacting with iCloud services table. And I'm going to jump across that odd thing in between this table and the manage button with shift VO end. Manage button. And I'm going to choose the manage button and that'll tell me how much iCloud storage I've got left. Prep, interact with dialogue for window, iCloud, loading. I like to jump to the top of this window just for a bit of orientation. Show shift VO home. Setting level one, manage storage, clickable. And now if I do VO runner, option runner. Buy more storage button. 1.28 GB to 5 GB available, clickable. Okay, so I've got 1.28 gigabytes available out of 5 gig, which is fine by me. And I don't want to do anything else in this particular screen. This screen is also where you can also, as it said, buy more storage. And it's where you can actually manage the applications that use iCloud to delete their documents and data. Interestingly on this screen, when I try and do shift VO end, it actually won't jump down to the bottom done button on the bottom of the screen. So I'm just going to do a bit of a cheating method and do VOF for find. Enter search text. And type in done. Enter. Button. And now I can do VA space bar contraction space bar. Manage button. And we're back to that manage button. I can now just do command Q to quit system preferences. Finder, desktop, Dropbox, alias, alias. Now I'll just remind you too that when you're using items such as text edit and pages, where you've got an open or a saved dialog box, you can also jump quickly to the iCloud drive by just doing shift command I. Similarly, if you also wanted to switch back to your documents folder in opening or saving, it would be shift command O as well. And then you could just interact with the list of files and off you go. Okie dokie, so I'm actually back at my desktop on my Mac and that completes this quick demonstration of iCloud Drive. I hope you've enjoyed the demo and as always, thanks for listening and bye for now. Hello everyone, my name is Edgar, and today I would like to demonstrate the setup process for two different Linux distributions on a Raspberry Pi. If you don't know, a Raspberry Pi is a single board computer that supports a variety of operating systems, which allows for the device to perform close to daily activities. It also serves as a wonderful educational tool for those who are looking to learn computer science concepts. These are just the basic uses of the device. Its potential can be discovered by way of user exploration. In the United States, it is currently sold in two flavors, one for $25 and another for $35. The price difference is mainly due to specifications. The cheaper variant of the two, also known as Model A, contains 256 megabytes of RAM, one USB port, and many of the same features found in its alternative, Model B. Model A is perfect for a robotics project or even as a media center for your home entertainment system. Model B contains two USB ports, 512 megabytes of RAM, an Ethernet port with the speed capacity of 100 megabits per second, and an increase and GPIO pins. More on that later. To install an operating system on the Raspberry Pi, you will need a formatted SD card with a recommended minimum of 4GB of memory. 
Also, to power the device, a 5 volt power supply is needed. At the end of my demonstration, I will recommend a manufacturing company that will graciously package the essentials to get a new Raspberry Pi user up and running with little to no difficulties. So, to begin, let me explain the process that I will follow to install two Linux-based operating systems designed for the Raspberry Pi. If you would like to set this up without any form of sighted assistance, a couple of things are necessary. Accompanying the two requirements just discussed, you will need some software on your primary computer. To boot an SD card on the Raspberry Pi, a procedure known as flashing the SD card is performed. This involves writing the operating system files onto the media by way of indicating an input file with the IMG extension. This does not mean that one could simply cut and paste the IMG file into the SD card's root directory. For this reason, software is downloaded to automate the process. If you own a Mac or have a working Linux installation, everything can be managed through the terminal. But hey, if you prefer a simple graphical user interface, you'll be happy to know that one is available for the Windows platform that will make this very easy. This is not to say that I am not fond of using a terminal. In fact, I prefer a terminal over a GUI any day. This would probably be a good time to mention that you don't necessarily have to be a master at using Unix style commands in a terminal. For example, in the command prompt on Windows. However, you do have to be somewhat familiar with the terminology being used. The second thing that you will need is an SSH client. SSH, if you didn't know, stands for Secure Shell and is a protocol for data communication between a server and a client through a secure channel that may be on your local network or on a remote network. It replaces Telnet. Anyway, to simplify, the computer that you want to control needs to have SSH enabled hence taking on the role of a server. In this case, the SSH server is our Raspberry Pi and the client is your primary computer. In order for SSH access to work properly, you must have a router set up with at least one available standard ethernet connection. Unfortunately, Model A does not have such a connection and as a result, SSH is not an option. No worries, I told you that I would demonstrate two Linux systems running on the Raspberry Pi. The first system is called Raspbian. Raspbian is, what I think to be, short for Raspberry Debian, meaning that it is derived from the Debian distribution. Without getting too deep into the existing variants of Linux, I will say that Debian and Debian-based systems are great starting points for those who are new to the world of this amazing operating system. In the second part of our two-part installation guide, I will cover the setup of yet another Linux distribution known as RPi, short for ArchPi. However, this particular OS has been graciously provided to us by the really amazing people at raspberryvi.org. A group of developers have collaborated to build an accessible environment for blind and visually impaired individuals interested in purchasing a Raspberry Pi. These are a set of tools that have been compiled and optimized into the already existing RPi kernel. The tools offered include the Speak Up screen reader for automatic output reading from within the shell, Emacs Speak, and Braille TTY. I'll let you do your own research on Emacs Speak and Braille TTY as these tools are not within the scope of this demonstration. The only thing that you will hear in action is Speak Up. However, to take advantage of the full capacity of this distribution, I would recommend you have a bit of experience with Linux in general. The process. First, I will show you where and how to get these distributions. Second, I will talk you through the unzipping process of the archived file. Third, I will go through the installation of a tool for flashing an SD card. 
Fourth, I will flash the SD card using the tool obtained. Finally, I'll show you how to boot your Raspberry Pi as well as how to gain access to the shell remotely in the case of Raspbian and locally in the case of RPi. Note, for local access to your Pi, you will need a QWERTY keyboard. I will be working from the familiar and comfortable environment known as Windows, using a combination of the NVDA screen reader along with the Nuance Vocalizer Speech Synthesizer. I also assume that you know how to download and unzip files onto your computer. Although, to simplify the process, I will recommend you use a utility known as 7-Zip, found at 7-Zip.org. Let's begin. As I mentioned, I have NVDA with Vocalizer running on my computer. The voice I am using is Aaron English United States. So to begin, I will show you where you can get Raspbian, the OS for beginning Raspberry Pi users. The URL to the operating system images is raspberrypi.org slash downloads. Don't forget the S. Type that into your browser and press enter. Navigation toolbar toolbar. Google document busy. Button Google search button. I'm feeling lucky. Downloads Raspberry Pi. Heading level 2 editing system images. From here, you want to search for the heading labeled Operating System Images, which is partially what Aaron just announced as the web page loaded. Therefore, pressing the down arrow, you get the following. Advanced users may wish to install a specific operating system image. Download an image below and follow the link image installation guides in our documentation. List with six items. Heading level three Raspbian. Debian Wheezy. Version. June 2014. Release date, 2014-0620, default login, Pi Raspberry, URL, link raspbian.org, kernel version, 3.12, release notes, link link, clickable link more info, link download torrent, link download zip. Note, torrenting in this context is not to be considered an illegal action. This method of download is simply to minimize the server traffic. Anyhow, we are focused on downloading the zip file. Press enter. As I am using Mozilla Firefox, a dialog will ask me to confirm that I want to save the file. Visited. Opening 2014-0620 Wheezy Raspbian zip dialog you have chosen to open. 2014-0620 Wheezy Raspbian zip which is compressed zipped folder 788 megabytes from HTTP director downloads raspberry org would you like to save this file okay button as stated earlier i assume that you know how to wait for a download to finish after the download is complete extract the contents from within the zipped archive the resulting file will be named 2014-06-20 hyphen wheezy hyphen raspbian dot img. To minimize the redundancy of this process, I will now show you how to retrieve the accessible arch pi image. This file will be retrieved from a different domain. In your browser, type the following URL, raspberryvi.org slash downloads. Press enter, and a series of similar executed actions will present us with the desired file. Navigation toolbar toolbar Downloads Raspberry Pi document busy Heading level 1 downloads busy Downloads Raspberry VI 
Table with four rows and two columns. Row two file column one link accessible arch cle 2.1 beta IMG zip. Updated column two 2014 April 13. Given that I browsed the website sometime earlier today, as soon as I pressed enter after the URL was typed, I was automatically placed on the appropriate download link. However, if this is not the case, simply utilize your screen reader's navigational commands to find it. Press the number 3 for heading level 3 navigations, and it should place focus on the correct heading. Follow the same procedure for unzipping the file, and the resulting single file will have the name accessible-arch-cli-2.1-beta.img. Now that we have the two operating system files for the Raspberry Pi, we can proceed to download the utility that will aid us in flashing these files to an SD card. The program that I am referring to is a small application by the name of Roadkill Disk Image. A different application is recommended by the Raspberry Pi Foundation website. However, this program proves to be completely inaccessible due to the fact that it was written using the Qt framework. Not very important. So, in your browser, type roadkill.net with only one L. Roadkill.net, welcome to Roadkill.net. From here, you want to look for the link labeled Downloads. Visited link downloads. After activating this link, the page will take on the following form. Navigational links at the top, preceded by software categories. NBDA will recognize these links as graphics, also announcing the appended image extension of JPG. The software category we want is Disk Utilities, or diskutils.jpg. Visited link graphic disk utils jpg. This link will direct you to a page with software associated to the selected category. Navigate through the page and search for the software title Roadkill's Disk Image. Roadkill's Disk Image. Link graphic thumbnail. Creates and writes disk images files to hard and floppy disks. Great for reading boot disk images. Download from the internet or creating a perfect copy of a disk to email to someone else. Link more. Now, Search for a download button and you will be on your way to installing this handy little utility for flashing an SD card. Roadkillnet Roadkill's Disk Image Program Download Roadkill's Disk Image Latest Version 1.6 This version downloads 175,456 All versions downloads 285,789 File Size 374,160 Bytes File Date January 14, 2010. File name. Disk image 16 win all setup eggs. Language is supported. English. Download time. 66.8 S56 KBS. 7.2 S512 KBS. Button download. Opening disk image 16 win all setup eggs dialog you have chosen to open. Disk image 16 win all setup eggs save file button. We are almost to the interesting part of this demonstration. We have one more utility to download to our computer. This piece of software is designed to connect via SSH to a server with SSH enabled. In our case, the Raspberry Pi. This application is called PuTTY. At least, I think that is how it's pronounced. The website for this application is PUTTY.org. From this point on, I will use the eSpeak speech synthesizer. I've been noticing some lagging from Nuance vocalizer throughout this demonstration. 
we speak is much more compact, and therefore we'll start using it from now on. With that in mind, let's take a quick visit to the putty.org website. This is a very simple website to navigate. To download PuttyTY, go to the first heading of the homepage and continue to press the down arrow key until you hear, you can download PuttyTY here, in which here is a link to activate. Download PuttyTY heading level 3. PuttyTY is an SSH and Telnet client, developed originally by Simon Tatham for the Windows platform. PuttyTY is open source software that is available with source code and is developed and supported by a group of volunteers. You can download PuttyTY visited link here. After activating the link, you will be directed to a download page that reads the following. Download page. To make this short and simple, from the top of the page, press the letter T on your keyboard to navigate to the first table, followed by an immediate press of the tab key. This command sequence will place you on the following. Table with 17 rows and 5 columns. Row 1, column 1 for Windows on Intel x86. Row 2, column 2, putty.exe link. Press enter on the link. Save the file, and make sure to take note of where the file will be located on your computer. The executable that you download using this link is not a self-extracting file, nor is it an installer. Therefore, the file downloaded is the application itself. To run it, simply press Enter. Now, however, we will proceed to the first step in making a bootable SD card for your Raspberry Pi. Now that we have all of the utilities installed on the primary machine, we can begin installing the Raspbian distribution. Stay tuned for an interesting surprise. Make sure you have an available SD card on hand. Insert it, and we can get started. Locate Roadkill's disk image from the All Programs menu. All Programs submenu A. Namespace Tree Control Tree New. Roadkill Net Collapsed 117 of 148 Level 1. Expanded. Level 2 Roadkill's disk image 1 of 1. Roadkill's disk image version 1.6 dialog source file write image to write image to list one list. As you heard, UAC confirmation was required. Simply press Alt plus Y and the interface should follow. This is a very simple program and you should have no difficulty navigating the interface. Before we continue, you should have a pretty good idea of your SD card's capacity in gigabytes. This will come in handy when prompted to select your device from a combo box. I happen to know that my SD card is an 8GB drive. Take that and subtract about 0.5 or so, and anything that comes close to such a capacity will be the device you should select. This will most likely be listed as a physical drive. At this point, you should already be familiar enough with your operating system to perform the following actions. I will now go through my setup using the appropriate keystrokes to create and flash my SD card. Combo box collapsed. Edit. Selected drive C. 456.93 GB. Drive D. 8.83 GB. Selection. Drive F. 1863.01 GB. Drive J. Not ready. Selection. Rim. Physical disk 0465.76 GB. Physical disk 17.32 GB. Selection removed. Selected physical disk 17.32 GB. Edit. Blank. Browse button. Use which image. Dialog file name. Folder view list. 2014 Weezy Raspbian image 61 of 61. Roadkill's disk image version 1.6 dialog source file write image to write image to. Start button. Yes, it is as easy as that. And now, press enter on start. This process will take a while, so I'll just have to edit out the waiting time. Prep warning. Data will be lost. Dialog this operation will completely destroy the contents of the disk. Are you sure you wish to proceed with the operation? Yes button alt y. 
Road kills disk image version 1.6 dialogue source file right image to right image to cancel button. List one list. Remaining time 10 minutes one of one. Success dialogue image written successfully. Okay button. All right. Congratulations. You have successfully written your first image to the SD card. Now, we finally move on to using the Raspberry Pi. As I mentioned earlier, we will access this operating system through SSH since it is enabled by default on Raspbian. However, a couple of essentials first. Make sure that you have a router with an available Ethernet connection, your power supply, and of course, the Raspberry Pi. Connect these things together and we'll move on to the next step, which is connecting to the Pi via SSH. Now, don't forget to insert your SD card into the appropriate reader on your Pi. Once booted through the power supply, and you have your Raspberry Pi connected to your router, the operating system will appear after a few seconds. As your device is now connected to your network, an internal IP address will instantly be assigned to your Pi. We need this IP address to connect to the Raspberry Pi via SSH. To find this information, you need to be a bit familiar with your router's configuration page. Your settings will most likely differ from mine. However, to give you an idea of what to expect, I will take you through my procedure for locating the IP address assigned to your Pi. I have a Belkin router. To get to the configurations page, an IP address of 192.168.2.1 is typically entered from within any web browser. I locate the link labeled DHCP client list. Your router may have something different. Variants of the label may be device list, connected devices, etc. Elements list dialog. DHCP client list 752 level 0. I will now be prompted to log in with my password. Login. Table with 6 rows and 3 columns. Row 3 column 3 edit protected. Row 6 column 2. Row 6 column 2 clear button. Submit button. This is where the connected devices on my network are listed. Land DHCP nightly table with 8 rows and 3 columns. Row 1 column 1. Row 2 IP address. Column 2 host name. Column 3 MAC address. Row 4 IP address column 1192.168.2.5. Host name column 2 Lazano PC. MAC address column 300 colon 1B colon FC colon 5E colon F colon C4. Row 5 IP address column 1192.168.2.11. Host name column 2 Raspberry Pi. MAC address column 3B827 colon M colon 47-1459. Now that we have that IP address, I will go ahead and launch PUTTY from the documents folder on my hard drive, which, if you recall, is the location that you need to keep note of. Documents D2 of 12. Documents. Folder view list. PTTY. Folder view list. Put it. Date modified. 3-11-2014-10.55 AM. Type. Application. Size. 484KB2 on 3. Now that you've located the file, press enter. You will be presented with a standard security warning dialog. Simply press Alt plus R. Open file security warning dialog. The publisher could not be verified. PTTY configuration dialog connection type. Host name or IP address edit all 10. Blank. This is where you type in the IP address that we just discovered. In my case, 192.168.2.11. Port edit alt P, selected 22. You can leave this as it is. SSH radio button checked alt S. Now I will continue to tab until I reach the open button. Save sessions edit alt E, blank. 
List default settings not select. Load button Alt L. Save button Alt V. Delete button Alt D. Only on clean exit radio button checked. Open button Alt O. When I press enter, PTTY will give me a message that states that a key has not been associated with this connection. This is simply a security measure. Given that this is our first time connecting to the Pi, it is only natural that this displays. You can safely ignore this by going to the Yes button, indicating that you trust the connection. 192 PTTY security alert dialog. The server's host key is not cached in the registry. You have no guarantee that the server is the computer you think it is. The server's RSA2 key fingerprint is SSH RSA2048 and 9 3C 6C 06 BF 8 9F 83 6C If you trust this host, hit yes to add the key to PTTY cache and carry on connecting. If you want to carry on connecting just once without adding the key to the cache, hit no. If you do not trust this host, hit cancel to abandon the connection. Cancel button. Yes button Alt Y. 192.168.2.11 PTTY terminal. Login as. If you were paying attention when we were browsing through the Raspberry Pi Foundation website for the Raspbian image, you would have noticed the presence of the login credentials to log into our device. The username is Pi. Type that in here. Pi 192.168.2.11 password. For the password, type Raspberry. Linux Raspberry Pi 3.12.287709 preempt Monsep 815-2800-VST-2040-ARM-6L. The programs included with the Debian GNU Linux system are free software. The exact distribution terms for each program are described in the individual files in a shared copyright. Debian GNU Linux comes with absolutely no warranty to the extent permitted by applicable law. Notice, the software on this Raspberry Pi has not been fully configured. Please, run sudo raspberry config by Raspberry Pi. I Raspberry Pi dollar. You are now logged in. Welcome to Raspbian. If you're familiar with Unix slash Linux commands, you can now execute them here in Bash. For example, typing ls will give us the following. I will now make a new directory with the mkdir command, and I will call it projects. And now I will execute the ls command again. This time, notice that projects is included within the list. And there you have it. You are now able to access your Raspberry Pi through the use of SSH. There are plenty of resources online that will get you started on Linux administration from a console. Before we move on, however, I want to tell you about a different method for accessing your Pi. This still involves an initial SSH session to be performed. I wasn't planning to demonstrate this, but I felt that it should be included, just so those who chose to listen to this episode would have a reference to the existing options for accessibility on the Pi. Thanks to a contribution from someone by the name of Mike Ray from the Raspberry VI website, you too can have your Raspberry Pi up and running with speech after executing a certain command sequence. Given that this demonstration is only designed to provide a beginning user with information on getting started with the Pi by way of installing a Linux operating system, I will not cover the setup in great depth. I will simply show you the exact command sequence, followed by an audio boot sample message that should be expected once executed. So you want to start by typing in the following command, git, that's g-i-t, clone, h-t-t-p-s, colon slash slash github.com slash chromarty slash tts projects dot git. Github is g-i-t-h-u-b 
Cromarty is C-R-O-M-A-R-T-Y. And of course, T-T-S-P-R-O-J-E-C-T-S dot git. Next, change into the following directory. TTS projects slash raspberry hyphen pi slash L-I-B-I-L-C-T-T-S slash build. Now type sudo sudo space build dot sh. This time, you want to change into the pi speak up directory by typing cd space dot dot slash dot dot slash pi pie speak up speakup from your current directory. To complete the build, type sudo sudo space build dot sh. Checking whether the speakup service is running. If it is not installed, installing it. Reading package list. Building dependency tree. Reading text information. Uttering DCC on Linux. Unreleased 4.6. Attempt to open Uttering DCC on Linux. Unreleased 4.6 on Linux. Unreleased. The following extra packages will be installed. Setting up DCC 1.46.022. To test that this executed successfully, I will now connect my Raspberry Pi to its power supply, insert the SD card, and you should hear the following from your Pi. That is, if you have it connected to a set of speakers, or in my case, my mixer. Okay, setting up X socket directories. Slash TMP slash dot X11 Unix slash TMP slash dot ICE Unix. Okay, in it. Entering run level 2. Info using make file style concurrent boot in run level 2. Network interface plugging daemon dot skip F0. Okay, done. Info initializing C groups. Kernel lacks C groups. Or memory controller not available. Not starting C group. Yes. One warning. Starting enhanced syslog. Arsyslog, okay. Starting periodic command scheduler. Cron, okay. Starting system message bus. Dbus, okay. Starting d swap file swap file setup. Want slash mar slash swap 100 mbyte. Checking existing. Keeping it done. Starting NTP server. NTPD, okay. Starting open BSD secure shell server. SSHD, okay. Last login. Sunnog 30.21.17.26 UTC 2014 on TTY1 Linux Raspberry Pi 3.12.2879 preempt.mon.sep8.15.28.0.0.bst2014.arm6l.theprogram.includedwiththebebionginu.linux.system.freesoftware.the.exact.distribution.terms.for.each.program.are.described.in.the.individual.files.in.slash.us.slash.share.sl
edgar, E-D-G-A-R, at realrandomradio.com, all one word. You can also request a topic related to the Raspberry Pi. And if enough interest is shown, I would be happy to record a tutorial over it. I would like to thank Mike Ray and other contributors from the Raspberry VI community for enhancing the Raspberry Pi experience for blind individuals. So, with that, I wish you all the best of luck with your Pi, and I hope you've enjoyed this demonstration. Welcome to this demonstration of adding another fingerprint to Touch ID. And I thought I'd do this demonstration as all of the iOS devices besides the iPod Touch now have fingerprint ID available or Touch ID as Apple calls it. And of course that's in the iPhone 5S, 6 and 6 Plus, in the iPad 2 Air, and in the iPad Mini 3 as of the date of this recording. When you're setting up the iOS device that includes Touch ID, when you're setting up your Touch ID device, you may not have realized that you can also add other fingerprints or you can even add a new fingerprint if you haven't set up one before at any time you like by going in and doing it within settings. So I thought in this demo, I'll show you how to add another fingerprint to the Touch ID settings. At the moment, I've got my left thumb and index finger and my right thumb and index finger in my Touch ID. So for this demo, I'm gonna add my left middle finger. So let me, first of all, go into settings. Of course, I've got voiceover running on my iPhone 6 Plus. Settings, double tap to open. Okay, so as voiceover hint says, one finger double tap to open. Settings. Okay, so we're on the settings screen. Now to get to Touch ID, I've got to scroll the screen down a little bit. But the way that I normally do it is to touch on general down the bottom of the screen. Button. General. Button. And now I'm going to one finger flick right through to Touch ID. Display brightness. Button. Wallpaper. Button. Sounds. Button. Touch ID passcode. Button. That's the one. Touch ID passcode. One finger double tap. Passcode. Zero of four values entered. And of course I've got to put my own pin code in there. So I will just pause the recording and then return. Touch ID passcode. Settings. Back button. And let's th flick through to the right. Touch ID passcode. Heading. Use touch it for. Heading. Okay, so this is the initial heading. Use touch ID for. iPhone unlock. On. IPhone double tap unlock to toggle on, setting. So I can double tap it, turn it off. iTunes App Store on. Double tap to toggle setting. iTunes App Store. Use your fingerprint instead of your Apple ID password when buying from the iTunes App Store. Footer. It's just an explanation of Touch ID and what you can use it for. Fingerprints heading. Here's the fingerprints heading. Flick to the right. Left index button. Swipe up or down to select a custom action, then double tap to activate. Okay, so. I can one finger flick up or down if I just do that now quickly. Delete. I can delete it. Activate item. Or I can default activate action. it. Which is the default action as according to the help. When I first added my first fingerprint, it was just labeled finger one. And then I relabeled it to what they are now. So I've kind of got left index finger. Left thumb button. Left thumb. Right index button. Right index. Right thumb button. And my right thumb. So I flick to the right again. Add a fingerprint button. Add a fingerprint. Turn passcode off button. 
or 10 passcode off. Change passcode button. Change passcode. Require passcode immediately. Okay, et cetera, et cetera. So let's flick back to add fingerprint. Change pa turn passcode, add a fingerprint button. And finger double tap on that. Place your finger cancel button. Okay, so it wants me to place my finger. So it's asking me to put my finger down on the home button. And of course, as I said, I'm doing my left middle finger. So I'll do that now. Lift your finger. Now it's saying lift my finger. And the phone also vibrated and then gave the announcement to lift my finger. So I take my finger off. Place your finger. Now it says place my finger. So finger down again on the home button. Vibrate. Lift your finger. Lift my finger. Place your finger. Now I'm just going to keep doing this until it's happy. Lift your finger. Place your finger. 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 Adjust your grip. Now if I touch towards the top of the screen just to read a little bit what it's asking me now. Cancel button. That's the cancel button. So I flick to the right. Adjust your grip. Adjust your grip. Keep going to capture the edges of your print. Okay, keep going to capture the edges of your print. So the top part of your finger and the edges, of course, of your finger. Continue button. Continue. One finger double tap. And then if I touch the top of the screen again. Cancel button. Flick to the right. Place your finger. Okay, we've got the same message about placing your finger. So rather than putting the pad of my finger on the home button, I'm now going to do the edges of my fingerprint. So the top of my finger and the left and right edges, and then keep basically going around and around until it's happy. So here we go. Top of my finger. Vibrate. Lift your finger. Lift my finger up. Place your finger. Okay, right edge of my finger. Lift your finger. finger Place off. your finger. Put my finger down, the left hand edge. Lift your finger. Place yeah. your finger. And then I'm just going to keep cycling around. Lift your finger. Place your finger. Lift your finger. Pla place your finger. Place your finger. A fingerprint that changes color during the setup process. Recognition is 100 complete. Image. Okay, so recognition is 100 complete. So if I touch the top left hand side of the screen. Touch ID is ready. Your print can be used for unlocking your iPhone. Okay, touch ID is ready. Flip to the right. Continue button. And there's the continue button. Finger double tap. Touch ID, passcode, settings, back button. Now this is the last thing you need to do when adding a fingerprint. I've currently got four in there, so the likelihood that this is now labelled finger five, which if I go back in a month or two, I may not remember that it's my left middle finger. So if I flick to the right. Touch ID, use touch ID for iPhone, unlock iTunes app store. Use your fingerprint instead of your Apple app fingerprints heading. Okay, fingerprints heading, flip to the right. Left index button. Left thumb button, right index button, right thumb button, finger five button. Okay, so finger five. So I need to go into that to rename it to left middle. So one finger double tap. Text field is editing, finger five. And flip to the right. Clear text button. To clear finger five. Finger five, text field is editing. And I'm just going to put in left middle. So I might use my dictation. Dictate, double tap left middle okay and touch towards the top of the screen text field is editing left middle okay so it says left middle 
So I come back down to the bottom right hand side of my on-screen keyboard. Done. And one finger double tap on done. Touch ID passcode settings back button. If I flick through to the fingers that I've currently got. Touch ID use touch iPhone on iTunes app store. Use your finger fingerprints heading. Okay, fingerprints heading, click to the right. Left index button, left thumb button, right index button, right thumb button, left middle button. Okay, so I've now got left middle as well now. So let me just see if it's going to work. If I lock my phone by pressing the power button. Screen locked. And press the home button just once. 2.46 p.m. Put down my middle left finger. Settings. So I'm back to settings and I know it worked because it just unlocked my phone. And of course I would then now use the same process to add another finger, i.e. I could now do my middle right finger by going to the add a fingerprint button. Once I went through the process of adding the pad of my finger and then going through the edges of my finger, I then would go back as I just did then and rename the finger in my case from finger six to right, middle, etc. So that completes this demonstration of adding fingerprints to your iOS enabled Touch ID device. And basically you go into settings, Touch ID passcode, you add a fingerprint, go through the process of adding your fingerprint, and then go back and rename the fingerprint that you've put in so that when you go back to either delete them or to double check which fingers you've got in your iOS device you can tell what they are rather than just finger one, finger two, finger three etc. So as always thanks for listening and bye for now. The main menu staff works hard every week to ensure that we're covering all of the technology that you would like to hear about. If there is something that we have not yet covered and you would like to hear about on Main Menu, please contact us and let us know. Whether you're looking for a demonstration of the latest note-taker, game for your smartphone, or productivity application for your computer, we would be happy to work on getting a demo or interview of this product for you and the other Main Menu listeners. Please get in contact with us by email at mainmenu at acbradio.org, on Twitter at Main Menu, or on the Main Menu Friends mailing list and let us know what you would like to hear. We will do our best to ensure that we're covering all of the technology that you would like to hear about here on ACB Radio's Main Menu. Well, we do want to thank you for being with us this week here on Main Menu and hope you'll join us back here again next week on Main Menu. You have a great week and we'll see you soon here on Main Menu.